Hi everyone and welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Kelly Lavelle, and this week we're joined by our expert guest, John Fistolera, to discuss trends in business education. John is the Assistant Executive Director of DECA Inc. DECA Inc. is an organization that is committed to preparing emerging entrepreneurs to be college and career ready. He oversees DECA's comprehensive development program, including corporate foundation and individual giving, special events, as well as government and media relations. John is interested in improving business education through DECA and preparing young leaders for industry careers. He has been a member of DECA since high school and has even served as two terms as president of California DECA. I'm so pleased to have John with us today. He's been with DECA for now over 12 years and I'm sure he has tons of advice and insights into how business education is evolving in schools and what we need to succeed as young entrepreneurs. John, could you maybe start us off by sharing a little bit more about your journey and how you got started and found an interest in business education? Um, well, thanks for the question. It's kind of an interesting story, uh, full circle story. Um, I joined DECA like you know any of our 235,000 high school members joined today, and that was um, to get some experience, real world practical experience. Um, in an area that I might like to pursue as a career outcome when I finished high school and went on to college and then went into the workforce. Um, so I saw um, DECA as uh, an interesting and exciting opportunity to get that kind of experience and joined as a freshman member, got very much involved with the leadership development activities that DECA provides all of our students as well as the business components. And um, then graduated high school and went um, on to college. But those leadership experiences were really formative to me and, and uh, began um, to shape what I did in college uh, that I thought would translate into a career for me. And, and my first career out of, of college then was a professional staff in the state legislature um, in California, working on a variety of issues, business issues included, but um, really from the, the leadership and public policy agenda. Um, after the professional staff, I did go to work for an electric utility company um, doing their government relations and public affairs which, um, you know, the, the big learning curve there is that uh, uh, public policy issues do in fact impact real business every single day. Um, so uh, it was very interesting and exciting to, to uh, uh, make that transition from a public policy career into business and helping business understand how uh, government affairs affects their bottom line, and then uh, translating the business perspective back to uh, state and local uh, policymakers as well. It's interesting. Um, I find that um, business, out of many careers, it's, an, it's, it's not a very linear path. Whenever you learn about someone's kind of journey into business, um, it's usually multifaceted and um, and, and, and has various turns and twists uh, of different industries within it. Uh, do you find uh, in, in your, from your experience that um, it's 
beneficial to have kind of that varied experience um, when wanting to pursue a career in business? I think absolutely. Um, really understanding, you know, uh, that business change changes, that the environment changes, that, that um, to be successful in business, you have to be creative and flexible and dynamic. And, um, and it, that application needs to not only be toward the project that you work on, but, um, you know, uh, keep that same kind of, of fresh and creative mindset for yourself in your personal pathway through business as well. Yeah, and so much um, like taking the transferable skills. I, I love learning learning about your journey because you you did go to very kind of in, in some people's eyes polar opposite ends in the sense of uh, policy versus like kind of and and, and then business itself. Um, they would be seen in some senses like different speeds, but. Um, I do agree in kind of in my own entrepreneurial journey, um, working with government in terms of both as, um, as a supporter, so with grants and um, employment incentives and things like that, but then also even sometimes as an ally and a stakeholder in a business deal and things, learning the process um, and policies and being able to navigate that is actually very useful, although it's maybe not the most um, glamorous and fun thing to get excited about. It, it's an extremely valuable and transferable skill if you gain that knowledge. I think that's absolutely right. And particularly when you look at the American form of government, um, you know, oftentimes we see Washington, D.C. and the Capitol building and the White House but our very system of government is built upon the concept of free enterprise. And so you must understand what makes our economy go to really truly fundamentally understand what drives our public policy and uh, decisions that are made in Washington, D.C. and state capitals and, and even uh, municipal governments throughout the country. So that spirit of, of free enterprise um, is bedrock to the the uh, public policy decisions that are made, and and you know it has to be a two way uh, street and constant reminder. You know our our um, uh, public policy makers need to be constantly reminded of of uh, the importance that free enterprise uh, plays to our national economy, and. Um, uh, our our business uh, community needs to understand and appreciate that government isn't the antithesis of business, but you know its its role and system and function and and foundation is to be supportive of that free enterprise system. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, with that with that foundation is. Do you have any advice in terms of transferring those um, those skills in terms of for youth? Is there anything that youth could learn from um, studying something like the system and the foundation there that they could apply to their own business pathways or business ventures? I think absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, my college degree was not in business either. My college degree was in in uh, uh, liberal studies, classical studies. Um, and I ended up in business. I 
uh, in government and then in business and now in nonprofit, but in the business development side of nonprofit. And, you know, the, the critical thing in terms of training is um, uh, to be able to think critically, to write clearly, and um, to think thoroughly about what your core business is and how it relates to the business interests of people that you want to work with. Because um, everything really fundamentally is based upon relationships. Um, and that's in your current business dealings and in your future business dealings. So the first job that I got ever was based upon a relationship. The next job that I ever got was based upon a relationship. My current job was uh, I was hired based upon a past relationship. So, uh, um, and all of those relationships were built upon um, my understanding of what, you know, my core business was and what somebody else's interest in, um, you know, my core business was and, and us working together to make sure that we achieved mutual value. I think that that point is extremely valuable. There's a, a saying in business that it's not what you know, but who you know. And as, as, as fun as that sounds, it's very true in a lot of ways. And it is based on relationships. And, and we look at that sometimes in terms of networking, in terms of like quantity, in terms of how big is your network. But it isn't necessarily the size of the network I've learned. It's more the quality of it, how you actually maintain those relationships, like you said, for your current situation, but for future. We may meet individuals who we might think, oh, they don't meet my current needs. They're not kind of I want to pursue this and oh they're they're not relevant their credentials aren't what I need so people could be very quick to kind of um, kind of close their network to a certain vertical or direction but what we neglect to realize in particular what we even discussed at the beginning of this call is a, a person's journey in business is very diverse and very unique so although the role that they're in right now might not be relevant to where we're going we don't know where their past was or where their past um, networks lie as well. So down the road, they might actually be connected to that ideal person that you need to connect with. And you wouldn't know unless you took the time to build a really positive relationship with them and that repertoire and, and, and fostered um, that connection. I, that's absolutely right. And, you know, that it's, it's not a transactional relationship, but it's a sincere relationship that, that is based upon understanding and, and um, uh, respect and, and actual interest in helping that other person do better. One of our uh, good friends here at DECA is uh, a huge proponent of small business ownership, um, a gentleman by the name of Fran Tarkenton. He was a former professional football player and, and is now um, dedicated his life to small business and helping small business owners do better. And one of his great pet peeves in discussing success in business is when people say that business is about making money. 
And he doesn't believe that at all. He believes that succeeding in business is a, is about succeeding and helping people. And mm-hmm. you know, if you do that, then you know you have created a really uh, valuable relationship through which everybody is going to do better financially, personally, as a community. Um, and you know, it just ties you know, right back into that unbreakable network of support that, you know, is going to come back to you in ways that you've never expected. Yes, that that's really true. I find even in my relationships now, it's often not necessarily when, even when I, when I find mentors and things, it isn't necessarily based on what I'm doing. There may be some merit to, to that conversation, but I'll, the majority of the time, those who invest time in speaking with me or supporting me, it's usually about the why. It's usually about the impact that I'm trying to make or the passion that I'm investing in it. And they want to help me as an individual rather than to just invest in a business. And I hear that often in terms of even an investment standpoint. A lot of the, if you're looking at angel investment or anything like that, they don't they're going to look at your business and make sure it has a sound pitch and things, but oftentimes it's always investing at the early stage in the entrepreneur, not necessarily the actual business itself. Uh, so I definitely feel that finding that why and, and um, having a little bit of altruism kind of integrated into the business itself of, of not just being in it based on the dollar signs, but on an actual purpose or value, uh, you can build a much stronger foundation, especially when you're first starting out. I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, another uh, example that you just reminded me of, um, a former DECA member who was a winner of a scholarship from the International Franchise Association, um, traveled with me to their annual meeting Oh, gosh, it was about seven years ago. And so he was a uh, just graduated senior in high school and going off to college and a very bright, very talented young student, but still a a young guy that that hadn't quite yet gotten his brain around the concept of the value of of network um, until he went to this conference, which is all about the value of network. And um, so I'd introduced him to several uh, franchise legends. Uh, The the founder of Subway, past chairman of the International Franchise Association, multi-unit franchisees, really, really um, uh, leaders within the, the entrepreneurship community, especially um, the franchise entrepreneurship community. And they Mm -hmm. all were just, you know, uh, extremely open and welcoming and inviting to him, you know, to whatever resource you need. If you have the slightest interest in joining our community, let us know. And all of a sudden it clicked for him. So he started passing out business cards. And they started giving them back. Well, uh, this student was uh, at my house a couple of uh, weeks ago um, just to sort of catch up to where he is now. He's started his own business. Um, His 
business has a franchise component. And so everyone that he met at that conference when he was a graduating high school senior, just going off to college, um, he's continued to stay in touch with, um, and they are connecting him with everyone within the industry, inviting him to sit on um, industry leading panels relative to new talent within their industry. And um, uh, you know, so at the time, it was an uh, amazing opportunity that was connected to nothing that he was doing. But because he put in the time to maintaining those relationships, now it is the key driver to building the business that um, uh, he has finally decided connects with his passion and his lifelong uh, drive and interest. Mm-hmm. And the key there, I think, in, in that example is um, the, maintain, the maintenance of the relationship. I think sometimes we're so quick at a networking event to grab as many cards as we can, and we come back with a stack, and we're like, yes, it's a successful event. I have all these cards. But the amount of individuals that we re- maintain a repertoire with and, and connect with afterwards um, after it kind of fades away, um, or particularly, I think an important point, after that first favor or that first gesture of support, I feel is extremely important, but sometimes isn't necessarily um, focused on as much. We're, we look at kind of getting in what's in it for us. Sometimes we get our connection or introduction, but maintaining that relationship so before a year later or two years later, you can come back to that colleague um, and still be considered a colleague, I think is really where that, that the merit of the relationship lies. I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, sincerity is critically important. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in networking, uh, I, I find you struggle with this a lot in terms of in the moment of networking and you want before getting that business card, how do, do you have any tips um, from, because DECA does a, a lot of networking events and such, do you have any tips for youth for what are a, a first a first step or an, um, a good way to, to network and, and make that initial connect? Yeah, I think that um, what I find a lot in, in uh, our business and even business more broadly is that um, everyone thinks that the next thing is a replacement of all the things that have come before. And I've never subscribed to that. And I've seen people that subscribe to that idea um, uh, fail in their marketing, networking, development, whatever the strategy is. And it's mostly around technology. Technology is a amazing enhancement to our ability to network. LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things allow us to network with thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. But Really, as you discussed earlier, you know, the conversion rate, right, is what's key. And that comes from 
actually meeting someone physically, personally, having a conversation with them, understanding who they are, um, understanding what they need, and, you know, finding a way to work together um, that is mutually valuable. And then the other point that you, that you uh, mentioned as well that is critically important um, is that uh, the maintenance of that relationship, really making it a sincere, ongoing relationship. So social uh, through platforms, technology platforms is great, but uh, finding a way to connect directly, right? Even the old, old fashioned way of face to face uh, is invaluable to developing really that, that ongoing personal um, uh, relationship that's going to produce the lifelong value to you and to um, uh, whoever, you know, it is that's in your, we call it a real personal network. Yes, I, I really agree. It's so easy sometimes to, because we're so, we're in a texting <laughs> um, electronic world. It's so easy to think to shoot an email um, or to text or do things digitally. And I catch myself doing this all the time, but it's a lot easier, just as much as it's easier to send that message, it's just as easier to reject that message when there isn't that po personal emotional connection. It's a lot harder to say so no to someone on the phone when there's a voice involved, and it's even harder to say no when you're in person and you're face-to-face -face with the individual. So I definitely agree with you there to encourage any youth looking to network as much as possible, try and get that FaceTime or try and get that emotional personal connect because uh, you have a better chance of A, even getting that next meeting, <laughs> and, and B, um, like you said, creating a real network uh, rather than just a number of followers or, or a list of people within a, a, an online community. Absolutely. You know, I'll give you an example because, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm an adapter to technology, right, at, at my age. Um, I've adapted to technology. I'm, I'm not native, right? So, so folks your age have never known anything but a world that was totally connected. Um, but it's the, you know, it's the landscape now and, and you can't not use all of this technology because it's just so valuable. But um, I find myself over connecting sometimes and I had a, a circumstance where a, a past a corporate board chair of mine who he and I had built a wonderful relationship mentoring business productive saw lots of change um, through our partnership together uh, but in the you know uh, five years or so that we were working in that direct relationship, you know, uh, uh, the, the change in technology transitioned what was face-to-face -face meeting, telephone conferences, to more emails and text message. And then uh, when he 
transitioned out as my chair, we even had less uh, conversation. And I once overheard him say that he felt like he had become disconnected from the work that we had done together. And it was a huge wake-up call to me because that relationship that was so valuable to me, and I think meaningful to him as well, I had allowed to become fully digital. And so as a result, I, it, you know, I said, oh, <laughs> I need to take the time to calendar a real call or a real meeting with this extremely important person <laughs> to me and to my organization at least once a, once a month. And that put us, you know, back on track to where we were. But I nearly lost that, you know, long, long, long time supporter and personal mentor um, through, you know, over-reliance on, on uh, technology. And I think that's, a, that's just a perfect summary um, and, and, um, and point to make of why we need to bridge the gap in the sense that I feel like there isn't one solution where it's one side or another. There is that happy medium that we must understand that um, although young people have certain tendencies and preferences and like you said, technology is innate and we're used to that. We have to appreciate that a lot of the business colleagues, um, clients, mentors that we're trying to connect with are not innate to that. So we need to bridge that gap and be appreciative that and kind of meet in the middle, so to speak, like you said, have that like monthly in-person conversation or something. So we, we get the best of both worlds. <laughs> I can bridge that gap a little bit more substantially. I want to thank you, John, uh, for sharing some of these insights. You have, um, you have definitely brought up some really great points that I think are going to be very relevant to the conversations and bridging the gap in business education for all of our listeners out there. Uh, it's, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. You can continue to share your thoughts during our conversation with the hashtag Bridging the Gap on Twitter, and we'll be sure to answer your responses. 